Yes, thank you for the applause, but I don't want to entertain you this morning. So, uh, these testimonies that we're doing, they, uh, they're, they're our story, but we're really wanting to inspire you about God. <clears throat> so, I really want to inspire you this morning that God has a plan for you. God can do all things, and God sets us free. Amen. So, first slide would be you. Psalm 139, especially verses 13 to 16. <coughs> and the, cat, the uh, PowerPoint will catch up with me. So Psalm 139 just is, you can't really have a favourite bit of the Bible, can you? But if I could, then this would be it. And I guess a lot of you, it speaks to you as well, but especially verses 13 to 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Amen. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And this particular bit of Psalm 139, I think, speaks of a God who's in charge of our creation. And his plans um, can't be hindered by our background. Amen. Um, I don't know about you, maybe you didn't ever feel this, but when I was a young Christian, I used to look around me and feel there was like a pedigree of uh, Christians. And I definitely didn't have that pedigree. You know, I didn't have Christian parents or grandparents or a uh, nice middle-class background, even though I sound like it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I, this, these verses talk about God knitting us together and choosing us and about his him ordaining our days before ever we began any of those days <clears throat> and another really excellent verse john 8 36 okay. uh yeah that, that, well, i kind of got half of one side oh okay so i'll <laughs> yeah john 8 36 is the half one there so if, if so if the sun sets you free you will be free indeed <coughs> And so the other thing I want to talk about this morning is that, is that we don't settle for half a life. Amen. Uh, you know, we want to walk in total freedom Amen. in all that God has for us. And actually, we need to learn to, to live and to walk in that. So these two passages, the concepts of being chosen by God from the beginning of time, and no background, uh, you know, if we feel we haven't got a great background, that is not a hindrance to God. And the fact that no matter what our background is, that we can choose to walk in freedom because of what Christ has done for us, those are really central to who I am and I, you know, for you guys as well. So the title I gave Jamie was uh, Growing Up Under the Cloud of Addiction and How God Led Me to a Better Way. And um, actually in my family is generational alcoholism. Um, I was an only child 
single parent when that wasn't a thing back in the 70s. I was very loved. Um, and I don't, when I'm talking, want to dishonour my mum um, because it was tough for her. Mm. And she loved me very much and was a very good mum a lot of the time. However, when she was drunk, she was neglectful, verbally abusive, and occasionally too harsh in the way she disciplined me. My family weren't a Christian, weren't Christians at all. Um, as I say, I was deeply loved by my aunt and my mum and my grandparents. But I realised, looking at all of them, that um, they couldn't be relied on to make good decisions. And that affected us financially. There was always a lot of the week left by the end of the money. It affected my safety. Uh, we had a car crash once because my mum was drinking. It wasn't serious, but I ended up with stitches. I'd be left alone in pub car parks. You know, whatever we did, there'd always be a pub involved. So I can remember sitting in the car park with my bag of crisps and a bottle of coke whilst my mum and my stepdad were in the pub. Or alone at home with just mum and me and she'd be over the road in the pub and the electricity would run out. We had a little electricity meter and I'd have to fumble my way in the dark aged eight, nine, ten to go and find her to get ten pence and then her being a bit cross with me. And you know, when she was drunk, she was verbally abusive as well, and very, very critical. So I think I had an internal monologue of not being good enough. Mm. I feel a bit awkward saying these things because actually lots of you have had it much worse. You know, I know there's people who have flown war-torn territories in our church, and you know, these things, I was loved. These things weren't the end of the world, but they did impact. Uh, on me and so I, I wanted to share it with you because you know you may have things in your background <coughs> that have impacted you and and actually we can walk in freedom whether it's big things or whether it's little things for me the biggest impact was I needed to be in control of my life and make better choices than I could see my family did probably made me judgmental as well because from a young age I could sit back and see I could have done it better mm. I thought so as a non-Christian, I decided I wouldn't drink, since that seemed like a really bad idea in my family. I wouldn't get married, because by the time I was a teenager, everybody was divorced. And I wouldn't have kids, because I wasn't really sure that I'd make a good job of it, given my family background. So, and you know, that was a logical conclusion, really. However, God broke in. Mm. I became a Christian when I was 18. Um, God definitely called me, because there weren't really any influences around me. And um, God began a work in me that continues today. But I've done some big stuff with God and he's mm. changed my life massively. Wow. The external things that people would notice is that I did get married and Tim and I celebrate 35 years in March. Wow. Uh, we did have children. We've got three grown up children and now two baby grandchildren and they are going on with God and they get on well with me, which is an answer to prayer. <laughs> and I do drink alcohol, which you'd think, yeah. But <laughs> that's, you know, I'm not saying it, it, it's God's purpose for us all to drink alcohol. But it's not necessary as a Christian, even though Jesus drank wine. But for me, it was an issue of trust. Could I have a drink and not become an alcoholic? Actually, if you looked at my family, you might say no, because it went through the generations. 
but you know we are new creations Hi. and we are made by God when Tim and I were first married if he went to um, work clients or things like that they'd often give him bottles of whiskey or stuff like that well when we were first married that we used to go down the sink so bottles of quite posh whiskey or sherry or stuff like that would be poured down the sink because I would be I just because for me it, it just brought me such horrible memories I didn't want any alcohol in the house mm. so that was about fear wasn't it John mm. eight thirty six: if the sun sets you free you will be free indeed mm. so I needed to walk with God saying actually I'm a new creation Amen. I'm free of a stronghold of alcohol abuse which runs through my family and that family line stopped with me wow. and it is not passed on to my children Amen. you need wisdom though I mean I still have most of the week where I don't drink anything at all and I don't get drunk because it's important to me to know that I've got that freedom so you know there's still wisdom involved isn't there marriage it was not modelled well in my family um, and at the beginning, for Tim and me, it was tough because I needed to control things and you can't keep things tightly controlled mm. if you're gradually letting somebody else into your life. Mm. But as a result of Tim and my journey, I have got a real faith and passion now for marriage. Mm. I know what a good marriage looks like. And with God's help, I believe it's possible for everybody who wants it to have a successful marriage. That brings joy to each of the partners and is a blessing to the church and actually to society as well. Parenthood I approached with some trepidation. I was fearful because of the weaknesses I saw being outplayed in my own family. But also I wanted my children to like me and respect me as they grew up, which again just wasn't a thing in my family. I decided I would model myself on Tim's mum who was a wonderful woman of God, the sort of person who everybody loved and knew what was going on in your life, which was new for me. And she would pray for me and ask me what was going on. And I, I thought, I want to be like her. Unfortunately, she died uh, when we were 28, just after Tom was born. And so I couldn't model myself on her. We had a couple in the church, Colin and Eunice, who some of you knew, so I thought, okay. I'm going to model myself on Eunice instead. And unfortunately, within a couple of years, God called them to another church. And so that was gone. And Tim and I went to a, a big meeting somewhere up in North London. And I just had a real strong encounter with the Holy Spirit where he said, I'm going to be your model. Mm. Which he should have been to begin with anyway, shouldn't he? But, and I felt such a sense of peace because I genuinely thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, yeah. I can't do it by myself. And of course, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Actually, we shouldn't be doing it by ourselves. We should be looking to God in the first place. So, you know, God helped me become a good mother. I'm English, self-deprecating, but I know that I'm a good mother. I have become a mother to others in the church and younger colleagues at work. And actually, we can all be mothers, whether we've got children or not, can't we? And I'm a teacher, which is a miracle, because I don't really like children. <laughs> but God has made me a good teacher because that's like parenting as well actually Amen. you lean on God actually often you get to the end of yourself don't you and I can remember sitting on the stairs and crying just feeling I can't do this feeling self pitiful and angry and completely stretched out but then you lean on God and he gives you strength 
it, the internal things, they're the things that other people can't see. And actually, I think they're much, much harder. I remember having a conversation with Tim and me saying it quite a few times when we were first married, that it wasn't fair because his family background was much more stable Christian mm -hmm. than mine. And I said to him, it's not fair because I have got the challenging background. I had to suffer at the time and then I have to outwork it and unpick it all. Mm -hmm. Whereas you get a great upbringing, no hang-ups, mm -hmm. and everything's hunky-dory. Mm -hmm. And it is hard, actually, unpicking stuff. Mm. And the problem is not the suffering, but actually I think our response to suffering. Because we can often do it without him. And the thing is, if we do it without God, actually intends for us, when we suffer, to walk with him. And if we don't do it with him, then we end up being angry, or we get bitter, mm. or we avoid the problem that's causing his pain. And none of those things are good. We mustn't kid ourselves, you know, pain and suffering doesn't just affect us, it affects everybody around us in the way that we respond to that suffering. In our house at Griffin Road, which we moved from a couple of years ago, one time we had a problem with rising damp and we had a builder and um, he chipped away the plaster and underneath the plaster was like this spider's web. I tried Googling and I can't see a picture. It was like long fingers of damp which you could peel away. And I thought, yeah, that's just like what suffering looks like, is it actually creeps into lots and lots of different things, doesn't it? So how do we know if there's stuff that we've got to deal with? First of all, we need really deep relationships, because otherwise we won't realise that we're reacting in unhelpful ways. We'll think everybody reacts like that. So the first thing is we need to have deep relationships, whether they're friendships, brothers or sisters, husbands or wives. And maybe we need to think about, are there some situations that disproportionately affect us in comparison to others? For instance, I would never be able to get a negative comment into perspective because my family background was a parent who was very, very critical. Then if somebody was critical, I had no way of balancing and working out whether it was helpful or whether it wasn't helpful and conflict I couldn't deal with. Mm. Um, quite a few years ago, I mean, Rochelle did an alpha, but before that, I remember we had quite a big alpha here where we had meals here. And um, after the meal, there was a, a chatting time where people could ask questions. And I found that in these discussion groups where people were just asking very civilised, philosophical questions, my heart would be like beating like mad as if they were having like a full-blown argument. And it was really stressful and I thought this is crazy they're just like having a nice conversation but you know Holy Spirit talks to us and says and whispers this isn't normal you need to get it sorted do you have painful memories that recur in your mind and really bother you do you suffer nightmares do you need to have absolutely absolute control over some bits of your life like for me alcohol down the sink because that's about fear isn't it do you avoid certain people or certain situations to protect yourself? And how, if we have those things pointed out to us by God, do we know freedom? There isn't just one, one way. I think there's a few ideas and then there's some big ones. Generally, we need to talk to God and to listen to his voice, not ours. Hear what he is saying to us and do it. 
You need to, well, I used to respond to any call from the front for ministry or prayer times. It doesn't matter if you end up crying. It, you know, it's actually how, how much do you want to get this sorted? Because God will minister to you and bit by bit you will find yourself being healed. Amen. Take each and every bad memory captive and take it to God and talk to him about it. Talk to him about how you felt about it and then ask God how he felt about it. It is so freeing to know God's love and compassion and to know that he's on our side and that times when we thought we were alone, we weren't. And times we think we are alone now, we're not. Sometimes I used to plaster Bible verses where I used to find that my mind kept going somewhere unhelpful. The absolute biggie, though, is forgiveness. It's massive and it's non-negotiable as far as God is concerned. If we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven and we won't be blessed. That sounds a bit brutal, but it's in the Bible and it's true. I need to forgive mum for the past and you may need to forgive some people currently or from the past. And sometimes it's tough. My mum didn't change, I'm afraid, and she continued to cause me pain. You know, lack of interest as an adult in my children, in our lives. And that was painful because actually mum really, really loved me. And alcohol stole her from us. She was a very creative, fun, vibrant person. And bit by bit, alcohol took that away from her so that in the end, that was the really the main thing that she, that she could live for. Caused her pain, it caused her loneliness. And for me, the process of forgiving just went on and on. It didn't ever change. But God gave me the grace because he is enough. And actually, all those bad memories went and replaced with love. Sadness, yes, because that person wasn't ever healed. But I was healed. And that's all we can do, isn't it? We can only talk to God about ourselves. And he's in charge of everything else. We do need to face the pain. There's a temptation to bury pain. It's hard. But, that one Hebrews 4, 14, 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we pro profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. That is just really, really powerful, isn't it? We have a God who has known rejection and chose to know rejection. It wasn't like accidental. It was part of his plan to absorb on our behalf all the pain that it's possible to feel and to walk with us in it and to set us free from it. Amen. Isn't he a wonderful God? Amen. Pain has a way of seeping into every aspect of our lives. Mm. It's not easy to see our own sinful habits mm. and our own self-protecting ways. We need to rub alongside people closely and allow them maybe to point out things. Now, we just don't do this in our culture, do we? But how wonderful it would be if somebody came up to us and said, you know, when you reacted like that, I felt your pain, or are things okay? And, you know, then we will grow, won't we? And we need to ask, who is our security in? I didn't realise I wasn't secure 
Outwardly, I was confident, lots of friends, successful in the things that I chose to do. And yet, when I was married, I used to get regular nightmares that Tim was going to leave me. And it was never based on us having an argument or anything like that. And I think, you know, I didn't used to trust Tim to deal with things on our behalf. I needed to be in control. And it's not good if you think that you can do everything better than the other person, is it? Mm. You need to let them in, whether it's a friend, whether it's a partner. You know, allow them to speak into your lives. You know, for those of us who are married, allow our partners to take control of areas and trust them. For me, it was money. It doesn't have to be. But, you know, Tim took charge of that. And now we have a great system where he organises it and I spend it. <laughs> but we need to choose risky areas and, and talk together and learn to trust. <laughs> Likewise with God, you know, will we let him in enough? Will we hear him? Will we trust him to do the things that he wants us to do? You know, it's all very well knowing it, <clears throat> but we've got to do it. And for me, the big thing as well was communication. In my family, anything that was difficult was not talked about. Mm -hmm. So if there was any conflict, again, I, think, I don't think this is an English way, uh, again, if there was any conflict, it would just be met with days and days of absolute silence. My auntie Jackie, who passed away last year, refused to talk about anything difficult, which was really difficult because she was terminally ill, and it made things quite stressful for the family. She just would not talk. As I say, I think it's the British way to avoid conflict, but it's not God's way. We need to speak the truth in love, to build though, and not tear down. Amen. I learned, <coughs> I needed to learn, to communicate what I meant. And actually, it's important that we communicate what is difficult to God as well. Because it's sometimes difficult to put pain into words, isn't it? Amen. And to trust other people as well. Actually, there's a number of different vehicles. There's Freedom in Christ, and what's Jane, what's the one that... Steps. Steps is another one, where, you know, if it is quite a biggie, it might take a little while to unpick, but we need to find the words, don't we? Put our pain into words, and communicate in a calm and respectful way. One of the things we taught our children to do, and it doesn't sound like a good idea, but it is, we taught them how to argue. Amen. And Esther said, our eldest daughter said, actually, it's one of the most valuable things we taught her. And Tim and I had to learn together how to argue and how to talk about difficult things in a really positive sort of way. So, I've shared, I hope, some bits of my story and I, I do hope they inspire you. I want you to know that God made you a new creation. No matter what has gone before, God chose you and created and predestined you to do good works which he's already got planned for you. For me, it was things that for most people would seem like fairly ordinary, but for me they were miraculous. He gave me a good marriage. Mm -hmm. He helped me mother in all its different forms. And I was able to outwork in the church, through junior church, Tim and I doing youth, for me teaching, all part of a calling which for some people would be ordinary, but for me was not. And with me, and actually my family say this as well, that with me, things are different and they notice it as well what exciting stuff does god have for you you know what new creation things has he got in your life god's got an exciting call for you and it begins with coming to him first we need to face the pain with god 
He's been through it and he'll be with you. You need to forgive. It's a command. <clears throat> and you won't be free until you fully forgive. And you need to walk in freedom with God and with other people. Face every strand of that creeping damp, that issue, and you will know blessing that you never thought possible. Have faith. He will do miraculous things. And that's my story. going to pray and then we'll have tea and coffee. Lord, I just really pray that this morning as I've spoken, that you have spoken into people's hearts. Whether it's a little thing that you're just niggling at them that they need to get sorted, or whether there's a big thing from their past that they know they mustn't hide anymore. Holy Spirit, will you come now? <coughs> into the very corners of our hearts and give us hope. You have made us into a new creation. You have made us to know life in all its fullness <coughs> and to be able to walk in the freedom that Jesus, you died for us for. Lord, let today be the beginning or the continuing of a walking in freedom. Lord, give us courage to talk to somebody today that they might walk with us or let us resolve, Lord, to talk to you and to communicate the pain and to know your healing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.